Good evening, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another edition of Raising Vibration Radio and Journey in Consciousness. I am your host, Reverend Raven, and tonight our special guest is going to be Albert Seymour. Albert, welcome to Raising Vibration Radio. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Nice to be here. So I know that you're an author and you've written a book, but kind of give us a little bit of background about yourself and, and what type of book have you written? Okay. Um, well, um, I could be easily described as an idealist, idealistic dreamer. Um, and I have a very strong uh, creative background. I, uh, my undergraduate years were at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York where I uh, was an architecture student and uh, took a lot of my uh, elective credits in, in fine arts. And I'm very happy with that. But um, uh, the creative uh, part of me is part of my, um, my Pisces nature. I was, uh, I have, for those who are um, uh, knowledgeable or understanding of um, of astrology a bit. I'm a, what you might call a triple Pisces. And um, some people ask me if I can walk down the street and chew gum at the same time, um, facetiously. But um, at any rate, uh, I have, um, I'm very proud to say that I have uh, two sons who are also both accomplished artists um, in New York and in Philadelphia. Um, and um, so professionally, I practiced architecture for 40 years, and my specialty was really designing public buildings like town halls and police stations and fire departments and com community centers, things like that, and, uh, and parks. And I had a specialty in the design of the complex systems that we call our cities today. Um, not city planning. This is distinct from city planning. It's called urban design. Um, it's actually the, the design of cities, uh, not the planning of them. And um, on a metaphysical level, uh, those who are interested in the metaphysical level, um, I can point to uh, November 11th and November 13th of 1991. Uh, those were two dates that changed my life. And uh, the first one on November 11th of 1991 was an experience like a, almost like a full body experience of floating in the universe at one with everything. I, I was just, uh, uh, you might say the easy way to say this is I was blissed out at that experience, and uh, it, it was um, it was definitely fun, uh, and um, then I kind of came back to earth on a couple of days later when I had an experience of what can only be described as terrifying. Uh, imagine. Um, I was living in an apartment with my uh, then wife and uh, two children, two young children. 
And the experience I had was, uh, was frightening in a lot of ways. Imagine hearing a voice in your head that says, if you don't accept the self, you're not going to make it over wow. and over and over. Um, and it just, it just wouldn't stop. Um, so that led me to um, uh, studying um, shamanism and uh, universal principles and um, attending a mystery school where I studied uh, for two years, studied uh, um, energy work, what's called energy work. And um, that inspired me actually to continue to, to learn more and actually apply uh, what I was learning from uh, shamanic and my own other experiences, as well as from this uh, study of energy work at the master at the um, mystery school. And um, that inspired me as long uh, as well as the events of many other events in my life, inspired me to write a book called Eyes in the Mirror, Everything Changed When He Met His Soul. And that was largely inspired by um, the first experience of having un uh, experiencing union and floating in the universe and um, meeting this character that um, uh, identified itself as Domini, the name of my soul. And so um, I published uh, Eyes in the Mirror, Everything Changed When, it, when He Met His Soul in... Um, early 2018, and um, I'm currently working on a sequel to that that I hope will be published in 2022. Um, and to wrap this up, I have developed a class or a course uh, that's kind of a combination of my creative skills and my metaphysical background. And that class is, uh, I mentor people in what, what I call self-mastery. And what that means is that it's, it's an art and a practice to diminish the voice of the ego that guides us much of the time and guides us, guides our thoughts, feelings, and actions in, in a way that... Um, that keeps us in patterns of limitation. So what I have found, and, and I do my best to, to share, I don't call it teaching, but mentor what I have experienced and learned on my own. So it's not theoretical, it's very practical, but it's the art and science and uh, art and practice of diminishing our limiting thoughts and beliefs and remember the true creative nature of being human. And that involves a, um, a co-created, developing a co-creative relationship with, um, uh, with my soul and the responses I get through intuition a highly developed intuition uh, 
that um, that now guides me. And um, I'm very happily retired from architecture, although I would take an interesting project if it came along. And um, my real interest is in writing about my experiences and how my experience and my background have provided me insights into what I call the experience of a new earth. Imagine an earth where those who inhabit the earth, this new earth, feel unified with their souls and thereby also feel unified and experience a unity with um, with every with all other human beings and species, actually. So um, that uh, plays into my uh, idealistic uh, dreamer process. But the thing is that, unlike some other people who are blessed with the vision of sight, insight, um, I am. I also have the abilities. Uh, through my architecture and urban design training to, to build, um, to plan, design, and build uh, those cities. And in the last chapter of my book, Eyes in the Mirror, I describe what a city that reflect, a city might look like that reflects in every aspect in, our, in the new social systems and in the new physical systems of buildings and city design and so forth, um, what, what that might look like where it reflects the union or the oneness that all the people are experiencing. So there's a long-winded way of telling you a little bit about my background. Wow. How... Um... How hard was it to overcome the ego? Oh, it's an ongoing process. It's not, <laughs> I'm not sure that, that human beings ever completely diminish it. But I've developed techniques that help to put you in a state of awareness where you're aware that you are thinking, feeling, and acting on your, your perception of your limitation. And by recognizing that you're behaving that way, you reach a moment of choice to think, feel, and act in a different way. And so I mentor people in um, not only in how to recognize that egoic expression and the limitations and make a conscious choice to um, experience um, degrees of unlimitedness. 
I like that. <laughs> I do. I mean, that's a, a totally amazing. So tell us a little bit about your mentoring, if you don't mind. Not at all. Um, I mentor people in in groups uh, these days on uh, on um, uh, Zoom, and um, I have a class, an on, ongoing class that's a group of people that that has been have been with me for three years now, and um, I would be very happy to start new groups um, online, and that allows people from other places. The the Wednesday night group has people from the uh, Richmond area where I live, as well as uh, people from Florida and from um, Colorado. And, um, and that's, uh, that's very fun. And I would be very happy to, to start other groups. Um, and I also uh, do individual mentoring one-on-one -on -one for people if they would prefer to do that rather than be in a in a program with others. I gotcha. So the book that you've written, is that fiction or is that based on your life story? It is very much based on my life story, but it is categorized as fiction because some of the people I tell stories about are still living, mm -hmm. which I'm glad for. <laughs> and, um, and when you write something at least I was told by um, the uh, uh, group that I retained for self-publishing. Um, new writers have horribly diff horrible difficulties in um, getting um, standard, what's called standard publishing publishers to accept their books. Um, and uh, that's in the process of changing, but um, the, the uh, the I really enjoy uh, both the online program in self mastery as well as the one on one practices, and um, the way that I combine um, what I call the metaphysical aspects with my um, uh, creative interest is that, for instance, these people who have been working with me for three years now asked me to kind of redirect and redesign the program so that we could work specifically by, with applying the principles and practices of self-mastery to the things that they want to create or manifest in their own lives. So it's really a, uh, a class on creativity. And I'll give you an example of, of one of the little exercises we do. Okay. Um, uh, and it's, it's fun. People tend to have fun doing this. Um, and it comes from something I did back in the early 70s with, uh, with some friends uh, on, on Friday nights. And we used to do this thing called nonlinear thinking. Okay. And so what we do and did, what we did then and what we're doing now in this uh, class is uh, one exercise is to have each person say one word, one word, just whatever comes to their mind. 
Okay. Like ego <laughs> or whatever. Open. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a word. Right. And then, um, so we've got maybe, uh, let's say eight words. And then, um, I asked the group to write each of those words down and make a sentence out of them. Okay. And it's hysterical. <laughs> so uh, I, will, I will share with you and with the audience the, one of the funniest things. It, 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 when I'm feeling uh, troubled by something, one of the first things I do is I think of one of, the, one of my favorite sentences that we made up back in the 70s. And that sentence was, typing the toilet seat bridge. <laughs> Total nonsense, right? Right. And, and so what we're doing now is, is this group that I'm working with in the creative process is that they're coming up with sentences that are just as silly, you know. But what it does is it breaks us out of our linear thinking process and expands our creative potential. That is awesome. Let me ask you this though. I get that exercise and, and we're talking about uh, a class that you're mentoring on, you know, releasing one's ego, so to speak, uh, and mentoring them on that. What about things that are deeply seated or rooted in somebody's brain, like ingrained from childhood? What well, type of things do you do for those type of people? Because I know you mentor on this, you know, individuals too as well. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. And I will tell you that one of the things that I do is take the person or people through an exercise where... Um, they they bring up that that piece of them that's bothering them. Let's say, and and in 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 shamanic work, you, that's called the shadow the shadow side of the personality. Okay, you may have, may have heard that term. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> for instance, one of the principles that we use or, or uh, talk about a fair amount is that which we resist persists. Have you heard that? I have all my life. Okay. So if you resist and fight that egoic or shadow side of yourself, it, it's, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's, it, it's just so, so we have an exercise of, learning how to honor the shadow side of ourselves. Okay. So that might be like, go into, you know, close your eyes, go into your thought process and bring to mind what that shadow side looks like and what it what what are the sensory uh, attributes that that 
shadow evokes in you and feel those feel those things mm -hmm. and then bring to mind uh, I, I emphasize the fact that from my perspective the three creative elements in the universe are light sound and breath okay and, i understand that and that let's say you bring you have brought those uh characteristics of the shadow side to mind and you're feeling them and you surround them with light in in a in a inner vision sense you surround them with light and you pay attention to how they diminish in your awareness with light and you can apply a sound let's say like an ohm or or any other uh, let's say musical note right and you apply that sound in the light surrounding the shadow elements of yourself. And that will further diminish um, their, the shadow's potency, let's put it that way. And once you feel that potency diminished of those shadow sides, I have people bring to mind light and the attributes of light. Let's say, like in my instance, I say that um, I, I particularly identify with the qualities of tenderness and compassion. Now, it took me a long time to not only figure that out, but also how to use it and how to apply it, how to embody that uh, those attributes. Uh, and I would call them attributes of love. And isn't love the antithesis of ego and shadow? So another uh, kind of uh, saying, it's not quite a principle that, that we talk about a lot, is that the world doesn't necessarily need healing. What it needs more than anything is love. And as they apply the light of love or the attributes that they can identify with to themselves and think about the qualities of love entering every cell in their body. And, and it having the visual acuity to embed those qualities of love within every cell in your body. Wow. That is one of the first steps that I take people through to shift out of, uh, to, to have the, the cellular structure of their body 
replaced with love rather than those egocentric, let's say, shadow elements. And in that way, they embody that love. And there's very little, as, as we embody those characteristics of love, there is very little interest or impetus to try to convince another person that your way is right. All of what you do is you, the more you embody those elements, the more you energetically broadcast them. And then people come to you and say, well, why is your life going so well these days? <laughs> um, so you become the example and, and uh, from a metaphysical standpoint, that practice is, um, it, it's, it's the practice of Christ consciousness. Let's put it that way. Okay. And I don't mean Christ in the, in the Christian sense. I mean, Christ as a, as, as a, uh, a being that became embodied and has the capacity to love without reason, condition, or measure. Does that that's, make a, that's a hard one for a lot of people out there. Uh, I understand. And that's why I, I enjoy mentoring what I do because not that I have conquered everything and I probably <laughs> won't in this lifetime, I, I, at least I have a sense of humor about it now. <laughs> um, but, but the practice of it, the practice of this self-mastery process is really rewarding. People find it rewarding and they find that it really alters their lives in a very positive way. Are you writing a book on self-mastery that will be published? That is my third book. <laughs> All right. So the, the second, actually, mastery is probably the, um, the third or fourth at any rate. I, I have interest in, in writing more. I, I really do enjoy it. Um, and uh, I enjoy writing about using my experiences so that people know that I'm, I, I live this stuff. I didn't just like make it up. Right. And that brings me back to one of your other questions, which was about it being fiction and my book being fiction. And what I was instructed by the self-publishing company was because people, many people in the stories, I had no idea how to reach anymore. Uh, and my parents are both deceased, so I can't, I couldn't ask them, um, you know, had to ask their permission to be mentioned. So um, they, they suggested that I make up names for people. And in that regard, um, when the names are changed like that, um, books then are considered fictional. 
Ah. Now, I had no idea about that, you know, when I started writing this, and it only took me 16 years to write it. So. Um, so when you were writing the book, though, and it did take you 16 years, I mean, were you uninspired then that it took you so long to write no, it? I was, I was still practicing architecture. Oh, okay. And, and you know, um, uh, going through uh, many dark nights of the soul. <laughs> so I had to have those experiences and have notes about them in order to incorporate them in this book. Wow. So, so it, 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 the book is really a, more of a memoir than it is fiction. All the stories actually happened. I notice a lot of, of spiritual beings here on this planet that are writing books are going the same uh, avenue as you. Um, we've had an author on that had written a book that was about her life, but she made it into a fictional story with a fictional character and opening up about her spiritual, you know, being yeah, yeah. Uh, coming into her spiritualness. And, and it's a very, it's a very common practice. I, I got you. But your next couple of books, they're going to be like. Well, the next one that I'm writing, the second one is kind of a sequel to the first. Okay. And it's the second, it's the second piece. And then um, I may write a nonfiction um, uh, book on self-mastery in between the second and the third versions of my, the third um, of the trilogy of uh, Eyes in the Mirror. Nice. I, I definitely, I really would like to uh, purchase that book because self-mastery is what we're pretty much all here on this planet to do, right? Like to, to, uh, to love each other unconditionally, basically. Um, that, that is certainly part of it. Um, the 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 thing I will mention, because this is really important as far as I'm concerned. Now, other people may be teaching self-mastery in a different name and in a different way. But from my perspective, self-mastery requires diligence and commitment to oneself. And, and you're not going to go through a process of achieving a, a level of self-mastery without those shadow pieces coming up in your face. Right. And in a sense, what I one of the things that I mentor is practices for dealing with how those shadow elements of our, of ourselves come up in our face and, and how to approach them R rather than running away from them. You know, that, you know, that saying, um, or, or that, uh, tendency to, um, um, What's it called? Fight or flight? Yes. 
Well, um, uh, I spent many years doing the fight or flight <laughs> aspects. And what I, what I ultimately learned and begin to embody was the idea that when they come up and are in my face, when I'm dealing with those issues of egocentricity, um, uh, 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 such as, uh, let's say, um, jealousy or envy or uh, uh, things like that. Okay. Uh, which everybody has, at least as far as I'm concerned, they do. Right. Everybody has some piece of it. And, and, and um, what self-mastery does is give you a way of seeing those things, not as something to feel, flee or fight, but as something to engage, honestly engage and learn from it. Just think if, if you have an experience that contrasts with the love that you are or you desire. Mm -hmm. let's, let's say it's hatred, right? Okay. There's a contrast to love. Um, one of the things we explore in self-mastery is how to deal with those contrasting experiences. And when you engage and look at the contrast as, as um, uh, love calling itself forth through this contrast, we learn to say, okay, I acknowledge that you're there. I acknowledge that the shadow element is there. What are you here to teach me? What are you here to teach me about taking my capacity to love to the next highest level of function. Wow. And so this can happen to like outside, outside circumstances. Yeah. Uh, another human being uh, uh, projects something on you and, and instead of, like fighting with them or anything like that, you would just like go in within yourself and, and see why is this coming up in my life right now so that you can overcome it and override that storyline, right? Exactly. So for instance, one of the things that we, we talk a lot about is how to call time out for yourself. Okay. Um, and, and I kind of use the sports analogy. You know how when a team it, it needs to huddle or uh, um, conference uh, when the pitcher and the catcher need to talk and, and they call a timeout, right? Right. Okay. So what if you use that as a metaphor for when you encounter a shadow side? And what that does is that let's say uh, one, I, one thought is to it, it's an opportunity to speak with 
the, the shadow side, which is many times in your face to protect itself. Okay. Uh, okay. So what if the, here, here's an example. I have, um, I have two sons. They're now in their thirties. And when my younger son, uh, when my sons were small and let's say their mother was traveling or something, um, and the daycare center wasn't available that day. I was at that time, I was running a, a 20 person architectural firm just outside of New York city. And, um, and so I had to take the boys. I had no other choice, no other place to take them, but take them to work with me. And my younger son, who is now this brilliant artist, would, without fail, I would get an important phone call from my client, uh, a client, one of my clients. And, and my son, my youngest son, would invariably choose that moment, that exact moment, to demand my attention. Oh, wow. Daddy, 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 I need you now. La, 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 you know? <laughs> and, you know, the shadow side of me wanted to smack the kid, right? Right. But this, there's this other part of me that I tapped into, I and I taught myself to tap into, and that is to speak with my son, this particular son, and say to him, you allow me to finish the conversation with this client. This client is very important to the firm that daddy owns, as well as in that regard, it's very important for you. This conversation is important for you. And so I spoke with him in that way and acknowledged his, uh, his upsetness or whatever you want to call it. And I said, I will be with you very shortly and then you will have my undivided attention. And he said, okay, daddy. <laughs> and he walked away and started with his brother again, uh, coloring on the, on the floor. And so I look at that experience a lot like dealing with the, um, with the shadow as aspects of myself, having a, a loving conversation with that part of myself and invariably it ceases that voice that tells me I can't do something or uh, I don't have this or I don't have that, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So when I speak with it in that sense, I'm calling a timeout. 
And once that voice is diminished enough sufficiently, I can tap into the soul aspect of myself. And we'll do that in a minute. I'll, I'll demonstrate how that's done. And, and I'll start speaking to, to that aspect of myself that I call my soul. And I will ask for my soul's perspective on this issue. Wow. And then I still my, myself and still my voice by focusing on my breathing. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of a meditation <clears throat> and without, uh, within minutes, even seconds, I hear the answer to my question. That is always helpful. Uh, like for instance, And, and, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this term, heuristic. No, I'm not familiar with that term. Okay. Heuristic teaching is teaching by asking questions so that the student or the person being mentored can answer the question for themselves. Okay. And in that way, the learning process sticks with the person. So heuristic sharing is what I, how I manage my, my self-mastery classes. I don't provide answers to people because I don't know what their soul would, would say in this instance. But I show them how to go in and I share with them how to go in and how to open up the intuition so that they can hear for themselves the answers that their soul is suggesting. So how quiet does one have to be to be able to hear our soul talking to us? Or is it from outside influences that our soul is talking to us too, if we're not getting it from, you know, meditation or anything like that? Are we getting it from outside influences, those answers? Let, let, me, let me answer that question by taking you through a little exercise. Okay. All right. Take your, your uh, let's say, thumb and middle finger and index finger on both your hands. Uh, do you know where the xiphoid process is on your body? No. Please point that out. Okay. If you if you trace your rib cage in the front of your body, mm -hmm. put to the point where the rib cage meets. Okay. There's a little. Um, I don't know what it's what it is. I, I think it's probably cartilage or something, mm -hmm. right in that spot. And that's what I learned through my mentors that is called the seed of the soul. So I have a place within my body where if I follow my breath and get into a meditative state, even a, 
It doesn't have to be a deep meditative state. But I go in there and I ask my soul, will you help me and support me by speaking through my intuition about why this situation is up for me? Why am I facing this issue of arrogance again or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And, and I just keep my eyes closed and I keep focusing my mental attention on my, uh, on my breath. And if I don't hear the answer shortly, what I know is that I'm putting too much mental attention on it and I need to, to, to do something else and let it go. And okay. in, the, in the letting go process, it, it never, it, it, it always, I'll put it this way, it, the intuition always comes through when I have let go of my um, wanting to know. That makes sense, actually. And, and so uh, self-mastery in a lot of ways is about developing a communicative relationship with that part of ourselves. And, and later on in our discussion, uh, I'll get into um, more about that. Um, so I hope I've answered your question. You, you did. And I would like to share uh, with our audience the video that you brought. So I'm going to take the time right now and uh, share this uh, video file with everybody. Okay. And then that'll serve as, a, as more, um, uh, let's say, fodder for discussion. Okay. Turn the night, turn the night into day. 
the day The one who has loved us Has brightened our
so I want to stop that video right here and go back. Um, it was supposed to be silent. We were all supposed to be reading. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, great. I want to go back because uh, we're at the end of your video right now, right? This is basically just your contact information. Yes. Okay, awesome. I, I would like to go back to this. This is very intriguing to me. Um, this new earth that the, this, this is what you've drawn as a new earth. Is that correct? It is what I call a city of oneness on new earth. It's like a cell. Um, yes, it is modeled in part after the human cell and how the cell grows. That is very interesting. And so, I noticed that you put the max population 144,000, which is referenced in the Bible. It is. Um, a lot of the symbolism that's involved in the design of that city, and I designed it um, because I am a trained urban designer. It was an interest to me. What, what does a city of, of oneness look like? How, how does it work? I was completely fascinated with it, and I describe it in some detail at the end of my book. So oh, nice. um, the, the, imagine living in a place, in, a, in a, 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 an urban environment where it's essentially there's no crime uh, and that um, Everything, both the social and physical systems of the, of the city, reflect the human experience of oneness with everything. Wow. Very, now, very cool. I mean, the whole thing is, I, I, I see that you have these little pearls around the circumference of your circle here. I see you got the earth, the water, the fire, the earth, but then you have more pearls on the circumference. Yes. And that is a reference to um, uh, John's description of the 12 gates to the city in um, um, Revelation. Ah. And if you recall, if you're old enough and the audience is old enough to remember that Pete Seeger actually saw, sang a folk song that referenced the 12 gates to the city. Wow. Now, before we go too much further with this, I would like to touch on at least the, the three aspects or practices that any human being can do who chooses to, that they can incorporate into their lives these three elements. The first one 
is that you know that each of us, although we show up in masculine and feminine bodies, we each have a masculine aspect and a feminine aspect within us. And, and in each person, they're more prevalent. One is more prevalent than the other. Agreed? Yes, that is correct. Okay. And, and, and can you imagine that this gender, these genders within us, these two genders within us are the source of all human experiences of duality, of separation. It's essentially a, a, a war between masculine and feminine for dominance, in a sense. Dominance of the being right. that we call a human. So imagine for a minute that those gender distinctions within each of us is completely balanced. There's no more inner war going on. If there's no more inner war going on and the world is a reflection of each of us and our collective, then there's no more outward war. There is only the idea that, oh, the feminine aspect of me has something to share with me that will, that will help me uh, be the best human being I can be. So imagine men in your lives asking that question. <laughs> and imagine women asking the question, what can I learn from my masculine side about how to be a better human being? Yeah, I, I, I yes, I understand that question all too well, yes. So, so in other words, you're teaching yourself to be a heuristic teacher. You're asking yourself these questions. So this gender balance thing is like the mathematical, the mathematical equivalent or the equivalent to the mathematical issue in, in basic uh, div long division. If you're old enough to remember long division. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's, it's like the common denominator this, this gender distinction is the common denominator to all human experiences of separation. So if you can resolve the gender wars that are going on within each of us, right, then you have a tool to use for all, you know, any other experience of separation. That is so wild that you have <laughs> brought this into light this evening um, because I have noticed, especially living here in Florida, there is conflicting 
people with their gender and and now there's all these different types of genders out there that are separate from male and female they there's like multiples of people what they what you identify now as a gender have you heard about that oh yeah and so so what if they are in um in our lives these days to say why are you identifying completely with one side of a dualistic situation why why am i so entrenched in my masculinity as an identity and and so in a sense to me what they're asking us is to look at how if we if we have both of those aspects within ourselves why don't we acknowledge them and learn from them and learn how to use them and apply them to solve all of our problems yeah so that, that's the first step the second step we've already talked about which i've identified is self mastery right We've talked about that. That's what you do. Yeah. And, and, and in that process, I also share with people how to, um, how to, uh, uh, the gender situation has three components as well. The first thing is to acknowledge, to honor and accept that I have both of those genders. Okay. The second step in that process is to it is an exercise that i share with people about how to bring those two aspects of ourselves into balance and the third piece of that um aspect of uh uh bringing about a new earth is what i call the sacred marriage of the masculine and feminine within us. And how do and, we do that, Al? Um, uh, uh, do you want to take a few minutes to, to run through an exercise? I would, yes, please. Okay. So um, I can't see you. I, I know you can see me, but yes, let, me, let me try to take you through this. Okay. So um, I'd ask you to stand. Okay. And you can stand with your feet about shoulder width apart. Okay. Then I'm going to ask you to bring your hands together in prayer position at your heart space. Done. Okay, then I'm going to ask you to drop your left hand, which is your feminine side, and extend straight outward at shoulder height, you know, parallel to your body. Extend your right arm out all the way. Okay. Now, say to yourself, I honor and acknowledge my masculine aspect. I honor and acknowledge my masculine 
um, aspect of myself. Aspect of myself. Thank you. All right. And then I want you to drop that arm and make a circle around yourself. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you to bring your left hand up at shoulder height and say the same thing. I honor and accept the feminine aspect of myself. I honor and accept the feminine aspect of myself. Now drop that arm and make a circle around okay. your body, around your body. Okay. Now I'm going to take a little aside here. Those two circles are overlapping each other and they are tangent to each other at their center points. Some people may have heard this idea or this, this term called the vesica Pisces. The shape that's created by the two overlapping circles tangent to each other's center points is called a vesica Pisces. That vesica Pisces is considered to be a portal between dimensions, between heaven and earth, let's say. Okay? Okay. So what you're doing is you're setting up your physical vehicle as well as your psyche and your heart to communicate with the heavens. Okay? Okay. And, and the way I view the soul is the soul is completely gender neutral. Now, others may have different concepts, but that's the way I envision it. So in that little exercise, you've acknowledged and honored, honored both sides. Now, while you're standing, bring your hands back into prayer position at your heart again. And imagine your heart being the center point of a, an, inf an infinity sign. Okay. Now imagine that infinity sign going out from your heart, starting in your heart, and going out and up on your right side, that masculine side, and down and around and back to your heart, and out the heart on your left side, and down and around and back to the heart. Okay. You, bal you balanced your masculine and feminine in, in, in uh, the lateral way. Then you do the same thing by imagining uh, making a, um, a, a, an infinity sign in the air out in front of you and okay. coming back around and going back through your heart and out your back side and down and around and back to the center point of your heart. Now, the third piece of this is imagine from your heart an infinity sign 
that comes out the front of you, out the front of your heart and up to the heavens and around your head and back into the heart and then back down in front of you and into the earth and back up into your heart. Okay. That's a balancing exercise. Now I do each of those things three times each day. And what I think I have experienced or what I have felt that I have an experience of is that balancing of genders within me. Now there's one other piece of this little exercise that really takes more, no more than, than five minutes to do is that I imagine that I opened the top of my head. It's kind of like a, a, an old fashioned shutter in a, in a, a single lens reflex camera, mm -hmm. you know, how, how a shutter opens up. So imagine that the top of your head opens up like a shutter and I place my hands above my head and I bring the masculine archetypal energy down through the opening in the top of my head and all the way through my body and down through my feet. And I imagine that archetypal energy, masculine energy going through my feet into the center of the core of the earth. And in the center of the core of the earth, is the feminine archetype. And in that center of the core of the earth, the masculine and feminine archetypes are married in a sacred union. And when I feel that union, I bring that union, that sensation of union, back up through my feet, through my legs, through my torso, through my uh, uh, shoulders and through the top of my head and back into the heavens. And I say, I am the meeting place of heaven and earth. And then what do and, you do after that? And then that exercise is complete. Okay. And, and, and I must say that a huge balance and, and, and uh, uh, loving atmosphere um, uh, fills all the cells of my body. I can see why, because I was feeling that uh, as you were talking through and I could feel the the unity and the love and the oneness and the light yeah. and the strength and the energy all in one, you know, package right there. It was beautiful. Yeah. So that is the um, that that's the, the balancing aspect of the masculine and feminine within us. And then we've talked about the self-mastery. And um, the, the, the third piece that I've identified is what I call the new mythology. And I'm only going to uh, tap into this a little bit uh, at our time together. 
because there are things, other things I'd like to cover if you don't mind. Um, and the, the, the other piece is, is what I call the, the mythology, the new mythology. And I'm just going to ask a question. Okay. How would your sense of duality or, or, or uh, all your struggles, how, how would they, um, how would you be with all of that if you knew that there was nothing wrong? What if you knew that the souls of each human being were playing a game through our human existence. And that game was called the game of forgetting. So just like the contrast that ego and shadow side shows us, you know, that, that there are different parts of us. Mm -hmm. What if, what if our souls are playing a game of forgetting their union by becoming physical and that that game is approaching its conclusion so that the, so that souls are learning about themselves. They are taking their self-learning deeper and deeper through our experiences of separation and duality. And what if that, that process is called the, um, the free will experiment, experiment? That is, the soul, through their human incarnative point, our humanity, mm -hmm. is learning about deeper about itself through experiencing that which it is not separate from anything. So let me ask this. Have you ever had an experience where it was an, what you might call an unpleasant experience, but that in hindsight, you look back at that experience and you're saying, oh my God, my life wouldn't be the same if I had not experienced that hardship. Yes, I can say definitely yes to that question. So what if, what if we as human beings, each of us, what if each of us has this light within us that we call our souls? that are playing a game through human existence only to come to a point in human evolution where human beings remember their oneness. What might that be like? Especially if we all did it at the same time. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and and just like any other energetic 
uh, process. What if a critical mass of people remember this and that acts like kind of like a, a rubber band when a rubber band is expanded to its full extent, mm-hmm. what happens? The opposite end comes in and, and, and the rubber band, you know, goes off into the wild <laughs> blue yonder. It's, it's kind of, you know, so what if the vanguard of people, those experiencing and remembering union are the vanguard for the rest of humanity. Not that they're any better no. than anybody else. Right. But that, but that they are those, those who have remembered or begun to remember actually exude that remembrance energetically to bring others along is is there any reason to convince anyone of your rightness no so so can you see and feel how that process could let's say that mythology there's some accuracy to it, right? Right. Now, I've come to this idea after 30 years of uh, disciplined study of these kinds of phenomena. Now, I don't expect everybody else to be as self-disciplined as I am about it. That would be rather arrogant. Um, and, and it's probably highly unlikely, you know, but, but the point that I'm making is that what if there is a, what if there's something called a a grand design where human beings realize that they have a soul that's playing a game of forgetting who they are in order to better appreciate who they are. Would that change your worldview? Oh, yes, in a heartbeat. So to me, something like that is a potential new uh, mythology or anthropology, maybe even. Mm-hmm. And, 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 um, I will tell you that that by remembering that as a mythology or anthropology, I've got a much better sense of humor about the world than I ever had. <laughs> so, um, so in effect, I'm laughing a lot more. I, I'm laughing at what I call silly human stuff. Our tendency to separate from ourselves, from other human beings, from the earth and her creatures, and from a common creator that we've all come from. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and when that sense of separateness dissolves within the human psyche and the human heart, 
and is replaced by the remembering of oneness, life is going to be a whole lot different. And that's what I'm interested. That's what I say is my purpose in life is to write about this and for those with ears to hear and open minds, <coughs> um, I'm happy to, to talk with them. Oh, I, I, I love it. I mean, what you brought a smile to my face tonight. I, I love the remembering of the oneness of everybody. Uh, the, the, the fact that talking to our sh shadow selves and finding out what their answer is from them for us to become one and whole within ourselves is, exactly. is such a beautiful reminder here. It, it's really the whole thing. And, and self-mastery is all about what you might call self-responsibility. If, 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 if there's truth to the saying that you can't change somebody else. Uh, I read something many, many years ago uh, by Pablo Neruda. You might know him as a Chilean poet. Mm -hmm. And one of his most famous sayings is changing the world is an inside job. Yes. Well, I, I took that, that on uh, as, as my mission. And that is in part why I share the self-mastery processes that I've developed. And, and would you mind if I, um, if I gave people um, uh, my email and a couple ways that they can... Um, uh, either buy my book or tap into some of the um, the readings, uh, the the things that I've written. No, be my guest. I have it posted on our the the description page, but right now uh, the video is still up on that last page. Oh, okay. Uh, then, so people then I don't can need to see your anything. email and your website and your book information. Yeah. And, and that's that's fine. I don't need to say anything if that's up. Yes, it is up. For the, for my audio listeners, though, uh, if you go to bluespacecreations at wordpress.com, that is his blog website. And the book website is uh, info-eyesinthemirror.com. Um, yes. Is and don't the, forget the www. Okay, you need the www. So www.info-eyesinthemirror.com. Um, it's also on Amazon, isn't it? It is, um, but Amazon jacks up the price a lot. Okay. So then for all you audio listeners out there, just go to that website I mentioned to purchase Albert's book. Um, and we're definitely going to have him back on the show when he writes his second book on here. Okay. We definitely right. want to have him on here. Um, Albert, is there anything else that you would like to discuss before we close down the show? Cause it just flew by really fast. Yeah. Uh, not really. I, I just, um, thank you very much. I haven't been on, on, 
on any kind of media like this in many years. I used to have a radio program in Santa Fe at um, uh, WKSFR, I think it was. But at any rate, um, uh, thank you very much. This has been a great pleasure for me to, to be with you. Oh, it was our pleasure to have you on here and thank you for your time. Well, with that, folks, we're going to end the show tonight. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Raising Vibration Radio and Journey in Consciousness. You have a great evening and hope to see you back here next Saturday night. Bye now. Bye-bye. <laughs>